It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It is your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors. Sean Woodley here with you as always. And on today's show, we're going to dig into some big takeaways from the Raptors' loss to the Chicago Bulls last night in Chicago on the second night of a back-to-back. Talk about the key takeaways from around the box score and, of course, hand out the due to the game. But really, the focus of today's show, I love this Raptors team, this bizarre, extremely flawed, very strange team. I've very much grown an affinity for them, and I think... Everyone else should get on board with just appreciating the very, very strange ride that is 2021-22. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1105 of locked on raptors for thursday january the 27th i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors and you can find the podcast free to listen to on all your favorite audio podcast platforms and it's on youtube as well we passed 1500 subscribers yesterday on the youtube page so please Go join the group of wonderful people who have supported the show by subscribing. It's so appreciated, even if you're not going to watch the show on YouTube, which you should. But even if you're not, you can just help us support the numbers and juice the stats. And that is totally fine. And it's much appreciated uh, regardless of where and how you ingest the podcast. And a big thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day. Sorry, today's episode's a little bit later than usual. Just some computer issues I had earlier in the day. But we're all good now. And so let's dig into the Raptors game against the Chicago Bulls last night. We are going to talk about just some sort of box score observations, dig into thoughts on Pascal Siakam and the way he handled the Bulls' defense. We'll talk about OG Ananobi's really nice game and a few other items from last night before, of course, handing out 
the dude of the game, as we always do. Again, it's the segment everybody's talking about. But before we do that, I just want to dig into a sort of bigger picture takeaway that I really felt leaving last night's game. Look, last night against the Bulls, they lose. They go down big kind of early. It's sort of a slow pulling it back in the second half. And a really impressive second half for the Raptors at that. They outscore the Bulls by 11 in the second half. They hold them to just 44 points. They've been kind of this team of two halves in a lot of these games here lately. You know, even dating back to, you know, games against the Bucks, for example, where they give up like 74 first half points before really coming on in the second half. It's kind of been the thing this year. And so I don't know if it's totally a surprise that they're 23 and 23 exactly at 500, straddling that 500 line for most of the season. Like it's just been so many different extremes coming together that that it's kind of come in the middle to this very sort of even in the middle 500 team is maybe not the most surprising thing in the world but i do really want to just kind of express my glee with watching this basketball team and yes after a loss this might sound weird but the bulls are good even without lonzo ball and without alex caruso they had their big three guys their offense is incredible that wasn't going anywhere, even without Ball and Caruso, who were definitely more the linchpins for their defense. And, you know, it wasn't a perfect, complete Bulls roster, but still, they're a good team. They're near the top of the Eastern Conference for a reason. And the Raptors gave them a shot. In the second half, it really looked like they were going to do it. Their defense got to a level that really is, like, on par with some of their best defensive performances of the season they they were outstanding in the second half on a string og ananobi was incredible pascal siakam continues to be everywhere we'll get to delano banton's role in the defense as well it was just a really impressive all-encompassing half from the raptors and it led to all of the good things that the raptors tend to do when they defend their asses off they got it on the run they got easy buckets and they really just stifled the bulls and it was that feedback loop that we've talked about before Good defensive possession leads to very easy offense, leads to set defense on the other end. It's very simplistic. It's basketball 101, but that's what the Raptors are going for here in their whole quest to win the possession battle and to get easy buckets to overcome their not-so-good half-court attack, which, boy, in the first half, their half-court offense looked stinky. They scored 50 points somewhat inexplicably. I don't really know how it happened. Pascal Siakam was completely cut off at the head and the rest of the team, you know, found ways, but it was not pretty by any means. And it was really the second half where the offense came around. All this is to say, yes, they lost that game. And yes, it was not an ideal finish. And yes, Gary Trent Jr. fouling out with a kind of a, not fouling out, getting ejected with a silly technical foul with two minutes to play. That might have actually done the Raptors in here. If Gary Trent Jr. is on the floor late, I wonder if they get better looks and actually win this game, considering how things were trending in that fourth quarter and the entire second half, really. Gary Trent Jr. was incredible, had 32 points, and yeah, they might have lost that game. But even through all that, I just found myself feeling pretty happy about where this Raptors team is right now, where the trajectory's going. And I'm just coming away from all of these games feeling overjoyed to be watching a basketball team that's really easy to care about, really easy to get invested in. They try their asses off, which really is kind of prerequisite number one. You look around the league at other teams that are going through it. You know, think about the Sacramento Kings right now, just getting blown out by 30 every single night. Their fan base is in some kind of disarray. You've got the Indiana Pacers, who, yes, they've had a ton of injuries in the last couple of years, and their downfall is maybe a little bit overstated, but still, it is a team that is sort of stuck in the mud. There's not a clear direction or plan. And the thing that makes this Raptors team so easy to like and enjoy and accept the foibles of 
is that this feels like you're kind of getting on the ground floor of something. It feels like it's building towards something really exciting. And, you know, I, I think when I think about the most fun regular seasons to watch as an observer of the Raptors over the years, 2013-14 always comes to mind because that was such a unexpected turnaround after years of being completely irrelevant, you know, still suffering from the departure of Chris Bosh and the fallout from that. And then to have that sort of happenstance turnaround where they trade Rudy Gay, the roster just kind of falls into place around the DeMar, Kyle, Jonas Valanciunas trio. Terrence Ross is doing his thing. It was a really, really, you know, just gratifying season to watch as a fan. And I know it's what roped a lot of people back into caring about the team. You know, the other great regular season I think about is 2019-20. That one is an all-timer, probably my favorite, even with it getting cut short by COVID. That's 60-something games they played before the pandemic hit. Really some of the most enjoyable regular season basketball I've ever seen. But that 2013-14 season, I'm kind of feeling similar vibes in some ways with this Raptors team in that, you know, it's kind of unexpected that, you know, they got all these pieces. Scotty Barnes comes in and he's kind of this new piece. It's a different circumstance for sure. But I'm enjoying watching the regular season as much as I have since that 2013-14 year. But what this season has that that season doesn't is it does feel like it's the first step towards something very serious. We didn't know back in 2013-14 that the Raptors were beginning their you know half decade long or more odyssey towards winning an NBA title. That was you know kind of unexpected. And with the building blocks that were in place, with Kyle Lowry being a pending free agent, with just not really having an idea of how good that team could be, you weren't really sure if it was going to last beyond that year. You know, they lose to the Nets in round one, and it's hopeful. It's, oh, maybe Kyle's going to come back. The people care about this team again. We the North, yada, yada, yada. That was all very exciting, but there was no certainty whatsoever. Whereas this team very clearly has a runway that it's building towards. And the fact that right now, kind of the floor of what you would expect the next three, four years of Raptors basketball to be is being seen right now as a 500 team that can hang with really good teams, can beat a lot of good teams as well on the right night, and has a core of guys that is continually getting better, continually exploring new parts of their games. That stuff is so exciting to me, and I'm leaving Raptors games just feeling really, really happy that this is the way I've decided to spend my time during these you know, random winter nights. You could do a lot of other things, but I just find that these Raptors games have been so joyous to watch even the ones where they lose yeah there have been a couple of stinkers here and there every team has stinkers but i made this point last night if we're counting like moral victories or just sort of like the vibes and you're looking for vibes victories for the raptors they're like 41 and 5 this season there have been very few games where i haven't been thoroughly entertained by the raptors even with all of the crap they've dealt with from covid to injury to stop and start with their rotation to not having fans in the building all of these things have come together and it hasn't mattered because the product on the floor is really exciting and entertaining and it feels like it's the beginning of something really cool. Not to mention they're just totally novel, right? Like no one's doing what the Raptors are doing. It's a completely new sort of frontier of experimental basketball. Will it work? I have no idea. Probably not like in the exact form that we think of vision six foot nine. You probably need some more diversity of skill sets. You need some actual bigs. You need some ball handlers, et cetera, et cetera. But what they're doing is experimental. It's interesting. It's new in a league where things tend to get a little bit formulaic and you know mono stylistic. That's not what's happening with this Raptors team. 
my, one of my favorite things in the world is watching sort of fans of opposing teams realize and kind of get the Kool-Aid of how bizarre the Raptors are as a watching experience. It's all just kind of part of the experience of this team. And for me, I don't really care what the end result is. I think it's been established that it's going to be, at the very least, a play-in spot or better for the Raptors. That, to me, is a success. You factor in that Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. are all making steps. The guys that matter have made big steps. All of it comes together for just a truly enjoyable, delightful season of basketball. And I just wanted to spend the first part of this show digging into that because what the hell do we do this for? What do we watch six months of regular season basketball for if it's not for something like this, this strange, bizarro experience that leaves us kind of unsure as to what the hell is happening 50% of the time, but the other 50% of the time, it's pretty damn exciting and there's a lot of cool things going down. So that's just my little diatribe off the top about how bloody enjoyable this Raptors team is. To each their own, I'm not here to tell you how to be a fan, and if you're sitting there thinking, man, 23 and 23, what an embarrassment, they're riding the treadmill of med mediocrity, I think you're wrong, I think you maybe got to get your priorities straight, and you can you know, be a fan whoever you want, but you know, I, I think there is a lot of room in people's hearts for a team like this, there's a lot of potential in enjoyment for a team like this, and I think people should really, if you're, if you're still kind of skeptical, unsure, worried about the trade deadline, and oh, what are the ramifications are they going to push forward, who cares? If they make a trade, great. I think it would be awesome if they did. I think they are worth betting on and adding a piece to. This roster is fun. It has made a lot of progress. And I think at full health, it's pretty good. And right in the race for the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference right now, provided they don't lose too much ground. I, I think that's a totally fun and cool goal to shoot for. If they don't make a deal, that's also fine. Because the guys they have on hand, the guys that matter, have looked really good. And that is enough for me to be pretty excited about the remaining 36 games or whatever there is left in the season. It's just been a great one. And so, yeah, long segment off the top here, but man, I'm just overjoyed watching basketball. It's a nice feeling after the Tampa season just completely sapped all will to podcast and talk about and write about this Raptors team. Not feeling that anymore, which is a pretty nice sensation. We're going to continue on here. Get into some thoughts from last night's game against the Bulls. Get into the nitty-gritty of where it went wrong, where things went right. And then we got the due to the game to hand out to close the show. But first, we're going to tell you about our pals over at BetOnline.ag who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march towards the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year. You've got a new updated desktop and mobile website. You can go sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. 
All right, let's continue on here and dive into some thoughts from the game against the Bulls. As I mentioned, pretty rough first half. The defense was mm, shaky, gave up 67 points. The offense, I thought, getting to 50 points was kind of a miracle because it was really, really difficult. And we begin with Pascal Siakam, who played 43 minutes in this game. And really, if this is the floor of Pascal Siakam up against a defense that was more prepared to stop him than any defense we've seen probably all season, or at least since that Jazz game back in November over two months ago, that's how long it's been that Siakam has looked looked kind of encumbered by the defense. That was the case last night. The, the, the Bulls did a really good job with him. They were sending two or three bodies his way. Basically, whenever he stepped foot inside like 20 feet, he was getting swarmed. And it was really tricky for him. He was having a hard time getting to the basket, getting to his own spots. Even with that, though, there were a ton of occurrences where he did get to a good spot. He got to his floater range, maybe didn't get all the way to the rim, but got to the five, six foot range where he's been pretty money of, of late this season. At least he's been incredible. And he just missed those shots last night. It was a really rough sort of touch night for him, I thought, around the basket. You know, there were a lot of sort of bodies and arms kind of bothering him. I actually thought Javante Green was a really interesting opponent for him on the defensive side he's like much smaller he's given up like five inches to pascal it seems but he's so long and just kind of annoying it felt like pascal was kind of putting shots up with this little scamp kind of running around his waist and it actually kind of worked like green was a pretty effective uh defensive check for him even though he does give up the size i just thought he was annoying and like sturdy enough with his sort of lower frame to give pascal some trouble and maybe sort of inspired some of those missed shots that said Finishes with 12 points, seven boards, seven assists, three steals. Gets to the line nine times. Just goes six of nine. And boy, the Raptors and free throws are going to drive me insane. 17 to 28 from the line. One of those like glaring and obvious flaws that this team obviously has that just keeps on not bothering me in the grand scheme of things. As much as it would be great if they could win some of these games at the line, you know, ultimately that's something I feel like will probably get ironed out in time. Who knows? Either way, that's the beauty of this team. The flaws are glaring and present and just punching you in the face, and it doesn't even matter, at least not to me. Still, 12 points, 7 boards, 7 assists, 3 steals. Really impressive playmaking from Siakam in this one. I, I thought the fact that he had the 7 assists, kind of a miracle. <laughs> and look, the, the Raptors did not quite have the same night shooting they did in uh, what game was it? against Charlotte the, the, the night before where, where Charlotte, you know, zoned up and the Raptors just, all right, you're daring us to shoot threes. We'll bomb them on you and we'll do it. We'll, we'll be successful. They shot 12 of 31 last night, which is not terrible. Gary Trent Jr. Responsible for six of 10 of those. So uh, pretty heavy volume there. You know, OG was three of seven. That was good. The only other starter to hit a three outside of Trent was OG. Um, and, and so it wasn't quite the zone busting night where you had, you know, Delano Banton docking down two threes or Chris Boucher was only one of five. It was a kind of a tricky night. And, and look, the Bulls did a really good job. The Raptors countered that by kind of compressing things down. And they did this thing. They do this thing all the time where things kind of devolve and it just becomes like a game of catch between three six foot nine dudes in the paint. They had that happen a couple times between Barnes, OG, and Siakam. It often leads to easy buckets because they're enormous and like just quick enough on those big-to-big -big passes that it works out and they get something. It's super bizarre. Another one of those weird elements of this team that you don't really see on a lot of other teams. But that, I thought, was a pretty good sort of workaround. And then Siakam, you know, was just kind of very, very relentless in getting to the basket. He got the nine free throw attempts. You know, it just kind of did it grimy. And then on the defensive end, I mean, holy God, Pascal Siakam, to me, has to be in the all-defense conversation. Look, is he going to make it? 
Probably not because there's a lot of good forwards. You think Draymond and Giannis are already going to be two of them. And then after that, it's just a really loaded field. But the way Siakam has played, I think he's been the most important defender on the Raptors this season. Some people might say Fred, you know, with his point of attack defense and the fact that he can dig down and force those steals and he's got the deflections all the time. I mean, he's right there. They're 1A, 1B, I think, this season for the Raptors. But Siakam is the one who knows the scheme the best. He's been playing it the longest. He's been playing it, um, you know, been part of it in all these different ways. You know, he at one point was sort of the guy who would fly to the corners. Now he's maybe more sort of a guy who hangs out at the rim and is sort of that last line of defense. Either way, he has been so, so good and disciplined and on the string of late. He's just been fantastic on the defensive end. Three steals for him in this one. He's constantly hawking the ball, and he's just so damn long, and he's strong. And, you know, smaller guys try to, you know, drive into him, and they bounce off of him. He's kind of deceptively strong that way. I've just been really, really happy and loving the defensive effort and output from Pascal Siakam. And so even last night with a – 3 of 12 game with just 12 points on the board. I thought he was maybe the best player on the floor for the Raptors. That probably actually goes to OG, who we'll get to in a second here. But I thought it was just an outstanding game from Siakam, and he deserves a lot of love for it. He was really good and gave the Raptors a shot to win this one with his playmaking, of course. With no Fred Van Vliet available, it's been so valuable to have Siakam just with the ball in his hands because good things tend to happen. Couldn't score last night. A couple of those floaters go down, and it's a different story for sure. But uh, I don't think you can really dock him all that much 43 minutes of action too he's just playing insane basketball in a crazy amount of it as well and hopefully he can hold up and not get too burned down by it i mentioned og ananobi really great game from him a couple of really great og ananobi sort of second third option type guy games from him in a row 23 points five boards four assists a steal and two blocks on 10 of 15 shooting three of seven from downtown those threes absolutely massive of course um, but getting to the basket i mean Good luck trying to get out of this, like to stop this guy from getting to a spot. He's just so freaking strong and just moves guys aside like they're nothing. It's incredible. And they've started to really identify an advantage they have all based around OG's strength. He is such a brute, even against bigs, like he's just impossible to move. And he's done a really good job of leaking out in transition, getting under the basket to that sweet spot where he waits for those like difficult arcing entry passes from either a Pascal Siakam or a Scotty Barnes. And then it's pretty easy offense from underneath. Either he's kicking out to somebody or finding a cutter or he's scoring himself. They're getting a lot of good stuff out of that. It's, again, weird, novel stuff that you don't see from a lot of teams, but they've identified something that OG is good at and they keep going back to it. Um, also, shout out to Delano Banton for uh, one of those attempted high-arcing entry passes to right under the basket to OG, which uh, went in the net. Uh, very, very fun and accidental. As accidental, in my estimation, as that Trevor Booker volleyball shot from a couple years ago. It was ridiculous. Either way, uh, OG, really good job getting into the gritty, nasty areas and using just his very clear outlier ability as an NBA player, which is that he's stronger than everybody else to find himself some buckets. You know, you can quibble with the refinement when he has the ball in his hands and he looks wonky. He's falling all over the place. He gets the job done more often than not. And a 10 of 15 night from him, considering, you know, the, the burden that was on him and the defense he was playing as well. Really, really good stuff from him. And yeah, the defense in the second half, as is always the case with the Raptors, it doesn't happen if everybody's not on the string. And OG was very much on the string in the second half. He might have been like the central cord of the string. Honestly, he was so good. Joe Wolfon clipped a possession that he had 
uh, where he completely, you know, he's doing like two to three different things. He rotates over, gets a block, covers up for a mistake. Just a really, really all-encompassing possession from OG. Go find it on Joe Wolfon's Twitter. Of course, regular guest of this podcast. It was just a really, really nice OG defensive effort. Beautiful stuff all around. A couple of quick other notes. Scotty Barnes, I thought, really nice game from him. Second half in particular, really nice. First half, a little bit awkward. Second half, great. Seven assists for him pretty quietly as well. He's just finding dudes. He, he, I mean, he had a possession last night where he scored, and he was cutting, and Malachi Flynn hit him with a, with a cut pass underneath. And Scotty seemed to realize that he was open and was waiting for the pass before Malachi Flynn, who had the ball and was surveying the floor, realized that Scotty was open and calling for the pass. Like the vision on Scotty Barnes is just ridiculous. It's out of this world. And that's such a huge, huge thing that's just going to continue to translate to very good things for him with the ball in his hands as an off-ball player. Like he's just got such a sense for where to be. It's how he happens into 16 points kind of without really you noticing. He goes 6 of 11 last night, got to the line four of six times as well. Um, You know, a a nice game from Scotty. And the big one for me was late in this game when he sizes up DeMar DeRozan drives by him with his right and finishes off balance, off glass. The touch is insane. Goes back to what we were talking about last Friday with Samson Folk. Just the level of touch and ability for him to get his shots off or the spot from the spot that he wants to be at and finish on, you know, sort of off of one foot in awkward positions, whatever it might be. It's like future star level stuff. And so that was cool as well. And then a last little remark on Gary Trent Jr., who, yeah, I got ejected, and it might have honestly been the difference in this one. He was really, really good, really vital to what the Raptors do. And honestly, it feels like every time Gary Trent Jr. hits a three, a little bit of stress comes off of my shoulders because it's just like, oh, God, relief in the form of a catch-and-shoot three that isn't a struggle or a created three off of of a pull-up that isn't a struggle. You know, I'm just I'm digging Gary Trent Jr. a lot. Yes, he can get a little bit overzealous, and after he got into the dust-up, with Vucevic last night that got him his first technical. He maybe got a little bit crazy in that fourth quarter, a little bit too heat-checky, which, look, me, I'm fully on board. Go heat-check, man. If you're hot, go nuts. Put your hand on that stove. I am more than okay with that, generally, as a rule. But he got a little bit overzealous, I think, and it kind of bled into things. And the bummer is that, I mean, the bucket he scored to close the game before he got ejected was also amazing, where he kind of finds his way, runs a pick and roll, doesn't quite find Boucher as a, as a target. It's just, it's just not really there for him. And instead, he just kind of softly tosses it up off the glass in sort of an awkward, sort of leaner position. Just a beautiful, beautiful bit of scoring from Gary Trent Jr. Would you like a little bit more in terms of playmaking? Sure, you got two assists, whatever, but that's not really what he's on this team for and kind of similar to the way we described Serge Ibaka when he was on the team. Sometimes you just got to have a dude who's going to finish the damn play. Gary Trent Jr. is that. Back-to-back 32-point games. First time he's had back-to-back 30-point games in his career, I believe, and uh, hopefully he can get back to form and continue to be just a beautiful outlet for what the Raptors are doing. The Raptors' half-court offense is significantly better when he's out there. As I mentioned yesterday on the podcast, he is the he has the widest uh, on-off differential in terms of the Raptors' offense. They have like 113.8 offense uh, offensive rating when he's on the floor, 104.3 or something crazy like that when he's off. Just a huge disparity, and it's not surprising when you see it out there. And we saw Michael Carlson with that exact phenomenon in the final two minutes without Gary Trent Jr. out there. They just totally lost all space. As much as the guy we're going to talk about in a second was nice and useful in this game, it just was not what they needed in those final couple minutes, at least not in place of Gary Trent Jr. And we'll get to that in just one second with the dude of the game now that we've wrapped up our box score notes. Before we do that, though, just a reminder that on trade deadline day, which is February 10th, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, coming very close, two weeks from today, 
We'll have some trade deadline episodes coming up, by the way. But on the 10th, February 10th, we will be doing a Locked On trade deadline show. John Corrales, Josh Lloyd, a whole bunch of other folks from the Locked On Network are going to be taking part in a full two-hour deadline show and digging into the deals, looking ahead to the second half of the season, and analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. There we go. Words. Uh, analyzing all that goes on on the deadline day. So please go and check out locked on nba on youtube subscribe so you don't miss it when they go live on trade deadline day yours truly may even make an appearance when the raptors trade for terrence ross uh so go check it out locked on nba the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's round out the show with our dude of the game. Of course, the way that we finish off every game recap podcast here at Locked On Raptors. And your dude of the game for the second straight day it's not a double due to the game today. There's not, 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 not double dudes. That was yesterday. But today, Delano Banton is going down as your due to the game for the second straight game. And I just a really, really surprising and really exciting stretch here from Delano. I kind of had chalked up the rest of the season to be mostly him going to the 905 and getting cooking down there, maybe not fitting into the rotation. Just the lack of shooting has been such a problem. But he continues to come in and do really good things, at least in the last couple of games here. Seven points, five boards, three assists, two steals for him last night. He was a plus 16. And boy, I think Eric Kareem mentioned this. Like, if you're talking about plus minus and eye test matching, like, that was a perfect example of that because Banton was incredible. You know, he has such speed going downhill that it's just a nice element for the Raptors half-court offense to have. Even if he's not going to get there all the time, he's not going to turn the corner all the time, teams are going to bottle him up or whatever. It's just nice that you have that element in the half-court where he can kind of hit you with a a surprise explosion to the rim you know, a couple times a game. And really where he made his bones in this game, the defense was nice, or the offense was nice. He, he hit a corner three. That was good to see. But for the most part, his defense in this one was kind of why the Raptors turned things around in that third quarter. He was more or less operating as the Fred Van Vliet in the Raptors defense in that second quarter or second half in the third quarter in particular. And he was doing the dig down thing where he's, you know, he's the helper coming. You know, the Raptors have one or two guys who have, you know, seized up the ball handler. And then Fred comes in to punch the ball free. Benton was kind of doing that, except he's twice the size of Fred, or roughly that. He's incredibly long and weird and gangly, and that lineup was just so smothering defensively when he was in there because there's just no reprieve if you're the opposing team. There's no small guy you can go hang out on or try to get onto a switch and isolate against. There's just nothing, and so you had that beautiful swarming vision, six foot nine defense on full display. And I thought Delano Benton was a big part of it. And honestly, I would have closed with Banton in place of Chris Boucher. He came in after Trent fouled out with two minutes left. Boucher was a little bit erratic late in this one. I think for the most part, Boucher was fine. He had nine points, three boards, uh, had a decent enough game. His defense continues to be really strong. It was in that second half or the third quarter in particular, 
got a little carried away in the fourth, a couple bad fouls here and there. I would have maybe swapped in Banton for him and continued to have the integrity of the 6-9 lineup and maybe a little bit more offensive juice just considering what they needed last night. I think Banton might offer it a little bit more. So that would have been the only sort of real quibble I had. But, man, Banton is something. I don't, Again, I don't know what he is or what he's going to be or what his eventual upside might be, but he is something, and he very clearly fits what the Raptors are looking for. And, you know, as much as I think Malachi Flynn deserves a little bit of run here, if it is going to come down to either or, I'm going to put my money on Banton getting the run long term just because he's six foot nine and he fits what the Raptors want to do. And his defense can just be such a game changer because of his length and then his ability to just get the ball and bolt and go the other way, which he does all the time. And he really kind of makes those transition possessions that much more dangerous and unpredictable because you're just flying around. You got this dude. No one knows who the hell he is. What position he's playing he just got the ball in his hands and he's making stuff happen and that is a lot of fun to watch and so glad to see banton has kind of come back around he really did look like he hit a rookie wall there it just, can you hit a rookie wall playing 10 games and then kind of falling out of the rotation i don't know but uh he looked really really good has looked really good the last couple of games and i would imagine he'll continue to get some run here if fred van vliet is unavailable if fred van vliet comes back i think there's a case there for sure for banton to be like the seventh or eighth guy right now you know, it's such a hodgepodge right now off of the bench. Justin Champagne didn't play last night after getting ejected the night before. Um, you know, still no Svima Hailuk, and we're seeing Yuta Watanabe get these sort of ceremonial bits of minutes that aren't really all that substantive. We'll see what happens there, but Banton is certainly making a case for regular run with the way he's played in the last couple of games. And as I said yesterday, give it some time. Don't just take two games as the gospel of the, what this guy is now, but he's certainly on the right track to getting back into Nick Nurse's good graces. So good on Delano Banton for that. As far as like him being in the lineup and playing, I'm pro that idea because he is super kooky and weird. And that is, as I've kind of made the theme of this podcast, give me kooky weirdness and I am a happy camper. With that, I'll wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you, always, as always, for supporting the show, making us your first listen of the day. Sorry for the late posting time today. Won't happen again, uh, or at least I'll communicate it to you a little better than I did yesterday because I did not expect it to go up this late. Either way, thank you. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'm actually going to finish up the mailbag tomorrow. I got like 30 mailbag questions on Tuesday. Only did two segments worth of mailbag before we chatted with the Hornets guys. And so... We're going to dig into your mailbag questions tomorrow on your Friday to tee you up into the weekend and the Raptors game against the Heat tomorrow night. Uh, I was hoping to catch up with the Locked On Heat guys, but I don't think that's going to happen. So maybe next time the Raptors and Heat play, which is like three days from now, we can arrange that. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for making us your first listen. Go make your second listen. Locked On Bets as your boy Q and Lee Sterling are helping you win some money as the football playoffs wind down. It's championship weekend. Go make some bucks with your boy Q and Lee Sterling over there on Locked On Bets. And until tomorrow, wish you a happy good day. Have a wonderful night. And we'll uh, talk to you on Friday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.